I grew up in a religious home, but lived part of my life as an agnostic, full of anxiety and uncertainty, not sure if God ever existed. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist On Leg. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to be talking about whether it is better to be an agnostic with few rules or to be dedicated to a religion like Christianity. So many choose agnosticism because it is the belief in a God or gods, but they're unknown or cannot be known. But can this God be known? Today, we're having Xavier Del Rio, who was an agnostic. And he's going to describe why he became one and why he's no longer one today. Xavier, welcome to the show. Thanks, son. Pleasure talking to you. Xavier, it's so good to have you on our show. Looking back, why do you think you ever became agnostic rather than believing in a specific religion? Because you grew up in a religious background. Yeah, and so growing up, I did kind of have this instilled belief of religion in a sense. But as time went on and I got into a rebellious lifestyle, I ended up actually questioning if God was even real, mm-hmm. if God was there, if God answers or has got to be experienced or not. And I just figured, hey, he's not. And even if he was there, then he was there. And if he's not, he's not. And that had nothing to do with me. So I just basically just really didn't care in a sense. I got to a point in my life where I just didn't care whether God was real or not. Hmm. Now, as an agnostic, did you try to adhere to some moral code? Like, how would you know right from wrong? Well, I did in a sense, but it was more so the values that were instilled in me in my household. Hmm. My parents did the best they could instilling values in my life. But as time went on, as, as I grew older, as I got into later in my teens and into things that I was doing, I just didn't hold any of those kind of codes or moral things. And mm. we just lived a life of just doing what we had to do right. as a group of friends and things like that. And that's how we lived our life. It sounds like your rules became very similar to your friends. So as an agnostic, you can do that because it's this belief that God isn't like a known God. So it doesn't really matter. Is that right? Correct. Absolutely correct. That's exactly what happened. I started hanging around, you know, with a group of people and their rules became my rules. You know, their beliefs became my beliefs in a sense. Wow. Now tell us who you would normally look up to during your growing up years and how did that affect your life in doing things? I understand you made up some schemes to rob people. Tell us a little bit about these schemes you were involved in. Yeah, so this all started and goes back to the hip-hop music and the hip-hop industry. Mm. Very early on in my life, I had a passion to be the next rapper, the next rap superstar. Really? Yeah, yeah. I wanted the fame. I wanted the money. I wanted the nice cars. I wanted all this stuff. And so in junior year in high school, I actually had a friend of mine who heard me rapping and he thought I was pretty good. He says, hey, I know this music producer in the area. I need you to introduce you to him. So he introduces me to this music producer. And at the time, I knew my friend, he was already selling drugs. And so, you know, I kind of had an inkling like, you know, there's probably some shady people, but I didn't care at the time. Um, I just wanted to do this music. So that actually opened the door to get to know these people. And these people, it was a whole crew of us. And there was actually some guys who were in the street, not really doing music. And then there was guys who were doing music and taking part of criminal activity, which would be kind of where I would be. And so 
that's actually led me to do schemes with these individuals, how to plot on people and do different things. Wow. That's fascinating because I understand some of these rappers that you looked up to were like famous rappers, right? Absolutely. I mean, Tupac Shakur, Notorious B.I.G., Big Pun, Jay-Z, Nas, wow. Mob D. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Wow. Those are famous names. <laughs> yeah. They were very influential in my music and my upbringing. And I wanted to be them. I wanted to have what they had. Wow. And now my friend introduces me to someone who can probably get me there. So I thought this was my ticket to do that. Wow. So now I understand you had these schemes and you played a specific position in these schemes. Tell me a little bit about one of these stories here. And while you're doing it, did you ever wonder if God somehow saw what you're doing? Did you ever wonder if there was going to be some type of judgment for what you're doing? Because I understand you were in these schemes where you were playing like you were the good guy, but you were really part of the whole bad guy scheme. Tell us about it. <laughs> correct, correct. So the way it would work was somebody in the crew would befriend another individual. Let's just call him the target or whatnot. Okay. And this target, let's say if he had a good amount of money, whether he had money from selling drugs or whether he had money from being a hardworking person, mm. so on and so forth, he'd make them his friend, they'd, they'd get together, they'd hang out, and then come back to us and say, hey, I know this guy who has a good amount of money. He looks like he's a target that we can rob. Wow. So what would happen is he would invite the target out, say a club, say a bar, and they'd get distracted on with a couple girls or whatnot. And as soon as they go outside, a couple of the other guys would run up on them and rob them <laughs> and just, you know, take his jewelry, take his money, his phone. Like beat him up. Yeah, yeah. Beat him up. Strong arm robbery. Yeah, they beat him wow. up. And actually... The guy who would set it up, the point man or whatnot, to set up the whole scheme, he'd make pretend like he was getting robbed, obviously, because he's in on it with us. And that's how that would happen. So they'd go out, they'd rob him, and then they'd just leave the scene. And this is one of many different types of schemes and things that were done at the time. So basically, like the gang group who was beating these two individuals up, they would fake beat up one of the guys and really beat up the guy that you guys were robbing. Now, what role did you play? So the role that I played in these specific type of schemes, I was kind of like the lookout. The guy in charge was the music producer at the time, and uh. me and him really had a good relationship. And so I don't know if it was maybe a selfish motive of his where he didn't want me to get really involved in actually robbing someone, but we would actually sit and see from afar. And if something actually did get out of hand, then we would come and step into the mix and things like that. But I understand as you're getting involved with these guys, you got into drinking a lot from a young age. And how that even led to marijuana use. Tell us about that. Yeah. Getting drinking from a young age. I started with the studio, going to make music. I mean, I was consumed with totally making music, consumed with writing my raps and writing my 16 bars and writing all the stuff that I had to do. And so the alcohol would actually help me do it. Mm. We'd get drunk. We'd buy cases of beer, bottles of liquor everywhere in the studio. It was a Thursday to Sunday, Thursday night to Sunday night thing, wow. just drinking and just partying, hanging out and wow. doing all these types of things. And then, you know, you have marijuana in the mix. And I actually dabbled in that a few times and, you know, wow. smoked marijuana. And those things actually led me to develop anxiety. But before all of this, as we talked about earlier, you grew up in a religious home. It wasn't a Christian home, but your upbringing was very different from the life you ended up living in the hip hop world. Can you remind us again what that environment was like and why it actually drove you away from God? Yeah, and so basically it was a religious home, a lot of set regulations, a lot of set rules, a lot of things you had to follow, outward acts of religion to try to 
appease God, I would say. Mm. The religion that I was raised in is basically the sacred name movement. And if you're not familiar with the sacred name movement, it's a lot of the Hebraic roots of the faith, which is actually a beautiful thing. But you had to follow all these type of certain things to kind of earn your salvation in a sense. And so that left me in a place of being oppressed in a sense and being pushed away in a sense and being pushed actually into rebellion. I didn't want anything to do with it at all. Interesting. So you just went the other way and you wanted to party it out. It sounds like you guys did. You partied it out and had as much fun and getting as much stuff from people as you could. Is that right? Absolutely. And it was almost in a sense kind of living almost like a double life in a way because in my religious home, we didn't have any alcohol. We didn't have any cigarettes. We didn't have any of those things of anybody going away, going to jail and doing none of those things. So when I was outside of the home, I knew right. this other life where it was alcohol, it was marijuana, it was drugs, it was crime, it was people going in and out of jail. Wow. So it was very different from how I grew up. Interesting. Savior, let's stop there. I want to have you on our next show to talk more about this. Thanks so much for sharing with us. Great. Thank you. Hang on. This brings up some deeper thoughts I want to share right after the break. Hey guys, it's me again. Let me be real and upfront with you. People are calling in and getting saved and set free by the power of the gospel that is preached on this show through powerful testimonies. I remember one night I was working the phones and a man in about his 30s called in. He was a business owner who was addicted to cocaine and he was living in California. He said he was driving and he heard our show about a former drug addict and he felt convicted that he wasn't living his life right and he gave his life to Jesus that very night. To me, this is a powerful reminder that God is moving through this real and raw show to touch the lives of others. Will you help us reach other cities all across America? You may be able to donate maybe $5 a month, maybe $10, some of you $25, maybe more. Anything helps. Help us to spread the gospel to America as we are believing for a great harvest of souls for the kingdom of God in this time and in this era. But we can't do it without you. Don't just sit there. Go to AwakeningTheNations.com and join the movement to get these testimonies to help others. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? I find it very interesting how Xavier was agnostic, which he somewhat believed in a God, but he wasn't sure that you could really know him. Well, this is the definition of agnosticism. It's the view or belief that the existence of God, of the divine or supernatural, is unknown or unknowable. And that would explain why later on in life, he was doing things like joining others, scheming to rob people. I mean, how could he do that if he truthfully didn't think a God would care or do anything about it? I think a lot of people can live this way. This is a style of living where right is what I determine is right, doing whatever seems right in our own eyes. Now, can we do this? Is this thought really true? Can we just live a life of doing whatever seems good to us and then get away with it? It's written in ancient scriptures in Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. According to this ancient scripture, this agnostic thought is truly just a deception to believe that God can't be known. According to the scripture, everything we do is being watched. God can't be mocked, guys. He has set certain rules of morality and spirituality in place, and we will all reap what we sow. It's not karma. It's not like a point system. It just means that God is real, 
and that He's watching us closely. The following verse states that if we sow to the flesh and we live like this carnal, non-spiritual life, doing whatever makes us feel good, we're going to reap corruption and death. This is meaning in our spiritual lives and even natural. But if we sow to the Spirit, we will reap everlasting life. And how does one sow into the Spirit? Well, first of all, you need to have the Spirit of God to sow into that. And the only way you can have the Holy Spirit is through Jesus Christ. He's the Lord and Savior. He's the way to the Holy Spirit. We must first receive Jesus Christ as Lord, and then we can have the Holy Spirit come into our lives. And when that happens, and we can know God, it's written in Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Guys, we can know God. And not only know, we can boldly come to the throne room of grace. We can have a relationship with Abba Father God through Jesus Christ. Lord God, I'm praying for the person who's saying, gosh, I don't feel close to God. I don't even know if I can know God. But Lord, if we can, Lord Jesus, we receive you. We believe in you. We want to come to you and we repent of our sins and forgive us of our lack of believing in you and help us to truly know you. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. Did you know our shows are on Spotify? Just search for Real Life Radio Show on Spotify and enjoy all the same shows you hear on the radio. That's Real Life Radio Show. See you next time.